Hi everybody, Pastor Jeff here from Marin Covenant. Uh, you're just about to see the video from a sermon I preached on July 7th of this year. And um, this is a sermon on Psalm 51. It's where David receives the incredibly generous and um, grace and mercy of God. But the context of that story from Psalm 51 is from the story of David and Bathsheba. And upon reflection, I feel like I really missed an important opportunity to care for some of our members. It's quite a dramatic story, David and Bathsheba. And part of that drama is that includes David's abuse of power and his, and his sexual assault of Bathsheba. And I realize that this story could be pretty difficult for some of you, bringing up feelings, memories of trauma and, and deep wounding. And in the short amount of time we had to cover it and I just, I wasn't as sensitive to that as I would like to have been. And, and frankly, I'm not sure how I could preach David uh, and his experience without talking more about how God sees and, and ministers to those who have been victimized. Um, I mean, it's really, it's a story that includes uh, somebody who is terribly, terribly victimized. And so it's true that the this st this story and the sermon, um, it's about confession or repentance and how through Jesus, God restores us in our relationship with him. Uh, and that is good news to be sure. But I want you to know that upon reflection, it, we know it doesn't minimize your experience. If you've been victimized by sexual assault, um, by abuse, I want you to know we see you and the church stands with you. And so if listening to this teaching brings up feelings or memories, um, if you want to talk and have some pastoral care, we'd love you to reach out to our staff for support. And you can even call Google and call the National Sexual Abuse Hotline, which is available 24 hours a day. But thanks for hearing this. We're always learning, we're growing, we're trying to figure out how best to communicate the good news of Jesus to all people. May God bless you as you hear his word. Okay, we've got uh, 13 minutes. For me to, before we get to some, some question and answer, some, you know, so now I'm wondering time, I want to I wanna lead us into uh, just a 13-minute sermon. You got that in you? So the reading was, uh, the readings this week were so great. And by the way, jump in if you haven't. We're not even halfway through, so jump in now, and uh, you will have missed all kinds of crazy things that would have maybe confused you. So it's not a problem to jump in. But this passage, I really, I, 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 it's this passage in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, and it's the passage of David and Bathsheba. And I titled this message on a rather pr provocatively in my sense, not provocatively in the, in, the, in the icky sense, but in the sense of, wow, dramatically, this, like, when we fail God, what do we do? When we fail God, this is a reality. You see, when we read, yep, it's, it's a true thing, we are going to fail God. Absolutely. When we when we have, have set ourselves out to be uh, God's people, we literally will not live up to all that we were created to be, all that God longs for us, all that God calls us to do, all the, the, uh, the essence of who we were supposed to be in a given moment or in a given life. We're going to fail that ideal. And that's what the Bible calls sin. It's not living up to God's best. And that's all of us. And so when we read the story of God, we will read the story of fallible humans over and over and over again. And we'll see our story in that story. Do you resonate with that? Uh, maybe for the first time in 10 years, I forgot to pray before my sermon. 
Here we go. Let's put our hands out like this. I was anxious about time, God, but um, we pause to tell you that we want to receive from you. And our hands are out as a posture of our receptivity. By the Holy Spirit who inspired this word, will you now illuminate it in our lives? So that we would receive the word you have for us. It's living, it's active. And this truth will change us if we receive it, we believe. And so we confess that we long to hear from you. So speak, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, now I got nine minutes. So the question is, if we're all going to fail, and that's what the story is about, how do we fail? What do we do with our failures? How do we fail appropriately if we're going to fail? You know, here's an interesting thing about the Bible, by the way, and I don't have time to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. We'll just let the chips fall where they may at the end of this sermon, at the end of the nine minutes, 8.45. But here's the thing. There's no way that they should have kept this story about David in the Bible. I mean, this is the worst marketing plan ever. David was this exalted king. You see everywhere else they talk about, you know, all the bad kings were compared to David, how he followed God with his whole heart. And then there's a couple of places that said, except where he went and had Bathsheba and had her husband killed. Like there's like this little thing in the middle of it. They should have just left it out. And they didn't. And then you start reading all the rest of the stories and you're like, and this king did evil in the eyes of the Lord and didn't follow the ways of his father David or he followed the ways of his father who didn't, do, you know, didn't, didn't live righteously in the eyes of the Lord. And then you keep reading all these stories of all these people. You think, wait, I thought that, was supposed to, that person was supposed to be a hero in the Bible. And then you read their story and you're like, Wah-wah. right? What in the world? Can I tell you right now, if you take this whole Old Testament and you're like, what is happening there? Wait, what? It is trying to show you that these people are not heroes of the faith. These are human beings that are so fallible that the only hope is being swept up into the larger story that God is our king and that life is to be lived under his lordship and that one day a savior would come and perfectly cleanse us from all of our sin and imperfection. That's the story. Do you get it? In fact, you don't have to come to that three-hour seminar. I just gave it to you in like three sentences. And so we have this story in our reading. If you didn't read it, we're not going to be able to go through it today. But it's the story of David. It's in his worst moment where sin was piled upon sin. He was home. He wasn't at war when the kings were at war, except for David, because he was like, nah, I'm kind of tired of war. I'm going to stay home, and I'm going to hang around all the women whose husbands are gone at war. He was already setting himself up for failure. He saw the woman taking a bath. His lust uh, got the best of him. Then he ended up uh, calling for her. It was a power move. I saw the best thing I saw in kind of reading about this was a woman did an article that said, uh, hashtag her too. And that this hero in God's book used his power and his position to take advantage of this woman and then got her pregnant and then he had a problem on his hands so he sent her husband to the front lines in order to have him killed right you if you've read the story you're like if you haven't read the story you're like wait what i know king david the hero of the faith 
It just gets, goes from bad to worse. It's interesting. It, it, it's so much of the rest of our, of our sin, uh, the, uh, the rest of our stories, where somewhere in our idleness, somewhere in our boredness, somewhere in our avoidance of true life and responsibility, we're hanging out, and then there's a lust that creeps in because there's a foothold, because we've lived a little self-centered of our life, and that lust creeps in, and I'm not just not talking about sexual sin, Right? And then there's a kind of a mulling over that and a fantasizing over kind of going down that road. And then there's an acting out and a total failure. And then there's a, an attempt to cover it up. And then there's a, like, that's how it works. In fact, James 1.14 says, this is how it works. Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and they're enticed. Listen, how does it say it again? Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to, anybody know? Death. Gives birth to death, which is separation from God and mayhem. And this is how human experience goes. So David is in his worst moment. This is what happens. But the Lord has been watching him and sends a prophet named Nathan to him. And Nathan tells him this story and gets David all riled up about the metaphor and is like, that guy's not acting right. And, and Nathan goes, that guy in the story is you. In fact, Ben preached a fantastic sermon on this text 52 Sundays ago. And he commented on that. He preached on that sentence. That man is you. That's us. And David has two opportunities at that moment, he can either go, this, you're right, this is, this is not working for me. I'm out. I'm going to bail on God. Based with his failure, he could just decide, I'm a spiritual loser, forget it, I'm going to live in that. Or he could do what he did, which is turn, stop all the nonsense, admit the truth, and return to the Lord. In 2 Samuel 12, in our reading, 2 Samuel 12, 13, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Now, in three and a half minutes, I want you to turn to Psalm 51. I didn't put it on the screen. I want you to turn to Psalm 51. And I want to tell you, as David reflects more deeply on that, somebody have a church Bible page number? 566. Of the, of the Bibles in front of you. And in the big blue Bible that like 40 of you have and no one next gathering has. 913. You're basically going to take notes. I'm just going to set you up to study this on your own and I'm going to give you three points that David, this is how David deals with his failure. Instead of giving up, instead of bailing on the Lord, instead of deciding, okay, that's it. I am this loser of a, of a believer. Instead of bailing out, he stays in the process and he does three things at least. He does three things. And here they are. Number one, he trusts in God's unfailing love. And that's the beginning of the text. You see it in the verse, first couple verses. Write down verse one and two if you're taking notes. Have mercy on me, God, according to your unfailing love. He recognizes in the midst of going, I have let God down. I'm not living the way that I should be living. I've made this mistake. I've hurt people. In the face of that, he starts by just trusting. I got to trust in God's love. There's nothing I can do to fix this. I can't do anything to help myself here. 
I just have to trust in God's love. That word, that, that word of unfailing is, is, is about covenant. It's a covenant love. It's like God will not break his side of the agreement that he will be our God, that he'll keep coming for us. And this, so this is what it means, that you can't give God to give up, get God to give up on you. Every morning his compassions are new, the scriptures say. Every sin is cast as far as the east is from the west, the scriptures say. Every piece of, or every wickedness is forgotten, the scriptures say, and remembered no more. So every sin, every morning, everything, every time, God's passion for you, that his relationship with you is restored, that he has a relationship with you. God's passion for that is unrelenting. It's unreasonable. And if you start to think it sounds too good to be true, like why would he keep coming after me? Then I think you're beginning to get it. He trusts in God's unfailing love. So there was no need for him to bail out and go, forget it. I'm a loser. Religion doesn't work for me. God's, I've, I've dishonored God. Instead, he trusts in God's unfailing love. Oh, I want to preach so much I can't. I'm down to one minute. Here we go. Two. Second thing he does. He trusts in God's unfailing love. He admits his sin. Verse three through five, if you read it, he goes, look, I've sinned before the Lord. My transgressions are before me. My sin is right here. I've, again, I've sinned against you, God. Yes, I've hurt people. He doesn't, that, that is, his, his phrasing there is not to dismiss that, but he, what he's saying is, man, it's you that I've dishonored, God. And that's what he's saying to the prophet Nathan. His response is simple, I've sinned against the Lord. And following his example, friends, when we fail, we're going to trust in God's unfailing love, but we're going to admit our sin, meaning we're not going to dismiss it. Oh, well, that's just humans. Or, oh, I'm better than the other guy. Or don't we do that? At least I'm not like, we're not going to rationalize it. Well, that's not sin. I just lost my temper. I mean, just a little temper thing. We're not going to dismiss it. We're not going to rationalize it. And we're not going to blame other people for it. Well, if you didn't treat me this way or if that guy didn't do this to me or if well, the tax laws weren't better, if the president didn't, instead we admit our sin and we repent. Instead we turn around. We admit our sin and we turn around. We don't blame people. We don't rationalize. We don't dismiss it. We turn around. We repent. You know what repent means? Repent's such a great word. Repent means we're going to agree with God and we're going to turn around and go the other way. This is my sin. I'm going the wrong way. I'm going to turn around. And the picture of that is so beautiful because when we trust in God's unfailing love and we turn around, we receive full restoration. And that's the third peace in this, that he expects God to restore him fully. In verse 10 of Psalm 51, Psalm 51 is where he's reflecting, I forgot to tell you, on this whole experience with Bathsheba and Nathan. Create in me a pure heart, God, and renew a steadfast spirit, one committed to you. He expects God to restore him fully because that's what happens when we wander away from God and we're way off out of the light and in the darkness and we're so far away, we think there's no chance to ever find our way back to him because the choices that we've made, because how distant God feels for us, because how, sh how much shame and disappointment is in our own experience and we're so far away. But the scriptures teach that if we repent, we turn around what we've come to find out is that in his relentless pursuit, he's not way off somewhere else. He's right here behind us.
and he's with us the whole time. This is what we do with our failure, friends. We don't bail on God. We don't think it's not working for me. We don't just live in it. We trust in God's unfailing love. We admit that we have sinned, and we expect God to restore us fully, not restore us like, okay, I've given you a pass, but your damaged goods, but pure, renewed, made new, washed, clean. Look at all, if you read this, if you studied this passage, all these words like blot out my iniquity, blot it out, white it out, so it's gone. Hey friends, this is why they call it the good news. For our God keeps coming. And when we turn, he is there to embrace us and preserve that relationship. That's how we fail. We're gonna fail, but we turn around and receive restoration. Let me pray to that end toward us, for us. Our Father God, My transgressions are always before you. I am desperate that I am not the man that I long to be. And I am really not the man that you've created me to be. And I confess that as I continue to fall short, and as I confess that as people are hurt in small and in big ways, and I confess that the world is impacted even in negative ways because of my sin, I can't, I can't fix myself, God. So I put myself at your mercy and ask that you would restore me and ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to transform me more and more into who you have me to be. I don't want to keep walking away. I don't want to just decide that's who I am, somebody who messes up all the time. I don't want shame and disappointment to guide I want to trust in you to renew me and receive me. And so I turn back to you again, even this morning. In the name of Christ, thank you for your grace. Amen.